Talking Tesla. Talking Tesla. Tesla. I'm not sure if like my foot should be on the brake or the accelerator. Because they put rings on Elon. It must be some sort of geometrical algorithm. I don't think you need to touch the steering wheel there, Tom. Oh, I'm sure there's some math. So SpaceX, <laughs> here's the deal. Um, landing a rocket on a drone ship is key. Charger, 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 <laughs> charger. How am I expected to drive a car without autopilot? Safely. Charger, charger, charger. <laughs> now, I'm not a good parker, Tom. Yeah. I'll be the first to admit it. Yeah. I just think that this is a car company that is run by super geeks. All the other cars are going to be stupid cars compared to this car. You don't even have to I remember smoke. that. You've got a Model X. I have seen the future, and it is light pole charging. No, I wouldn't call it a screw-up. Do you like your Model X? God, it's beautiful. Hey, people of the Talking Tesla universe. This is Elon today. We're going to get the boys together and talk about this earnings call, but let me give you a few of my thoughts. It actually takes a while, I think, to metabolize all of the information that goes down there. But one thing is clear. They sold a ton of Teslas. They made a bunch of money. I think this was the eighth quarter in a row where they had profit and not based on Bitcoin. So a lot of really, really good news. But also some concerning stuff that I heard. Not too concerning, but I think we already know this. And it keeps coming back to the same thing. And I know that I'm broken record on this, but it's all about battery constraint. Tesla is in demand for its cars, for its energy products in the residential space, in the commercial space, but they cannot make enough batteries. And there's a number of reasons for that. And obviously, we've talked a lot about the fact that they need to mine every piece of lithium in the planet. And uh, we need lots of nickel, and that's harder to find. And they're going to move more chemistry to this lithium ferrite sort of stuff, because that's a lot easier to get. And it's not as energy dense, but it's perfect for things like, you know, battery storage in commercial and residential. So we heard a lot of good things there and they're moving, but we also heard that they're having some issues with the 4680 cells. Now, the prototypes appear to be working very well, but as Elon tells us every time in these, it's really easy to do a prototype and it's really hard to get to mass production. So one of the things he was trying to explain is that when they're using these giant presses to try and make lots and lots of sort of end bits for these batteries, when you go to a very large machine, they've been finding that they're denting the rest of the battery sort of structure. And so they have to now re-engineer that. And you don't really know about these kind of manufacturing problems until you go from a little tiny machine making one cell to a gigantic machine that's going to try and make, I don't know, a thousand cells. And you start to run into these sort of physics mechanical issues. So they've run into some problems there. It sounds like the chemistries, they're getting closer and closer to something that they're really comfortable with. And then he sort of... Uh, noted the problem, which I've been thinking a lot about recently, and that is there's a lot of different chemistries and a lot of different batteries right now because they're saying, look, we just need every battery of every type, a 2170, an 18650, a 4680, or whatever you've got, we just need them to shove into cars and into power walls, into power packs and all this stuff. They've got this sort of mess of different chemistries and different shapes and sizes, and that is not where they want to be. They want to get to a point where they have one or two types of battery that they can then just mass produce because, you know, once you've got just a couple of versions, it makes life a hell of a lot easier. So I suspect we'll probably get to the point it will be overwhelmingly 4680s in the cars and it might be slightly different in the storage products. But they're not there yet. They're trying to get there. They've also noted again, like they can't do this alone. They need their other battery manufacturer partners to be cranking out as much as they can. So I don't know in the end what is going to be the rate limiting step. I think actually the rate limiting step will be the mining. 
I think that they'll get these manufacturing things down um, in the next you know, six months or a year, and they'll be able to really crank these gigafactories across the world. But the problem will still then be, can they get enough material to build these puppies? Because they said already that they're about a year behind on Powerwall. They could be building a million Powerwalls a year. That's what they think they could be at. I frankly think it could be significantly higher than that. I say that because you know your average house doesn't need one Powerwall. It needs, depending on you know how big your house and stuff is, two or three, and sometimes even more than that. I'll use the example of my house. So I've got a you know, pretty big house, 3,500 square feet, and we've got some air conditioners, and I have three power walls and a big solar array, and I can, in the summer, make about 120 kilowatt hours of electricity, and then that fills up the power walls during the day, and I fill up the cars. But then here in the San Fernando Valley, it's really hot, and it stays hot sometimes all night. And so the air conditioner, even though it's only going on in one part of the house, runs off and on all night. And you can basically drain three power walls from when the sun goes down to when the sun comes up in the morning in these really hot nights. So if you're looking for a 100% replacement for about a house that size in a hot area, you need three power walls. Our studio is in a residential area, in a residential house down the road, it is an even bigger space and we have even larger air conditioners. And when the studio is cranking with all those lights on and the AC running, it can drain three power walls super quick. And so that place has four power walls, but needs probably at least six. So you might be in a little house where just one or two will do, but you get the idea that a million is not a million homes. It's much less than that. It's a, a quarter of that or a third of that. So I can see them needing to make millions and millions of power walls because the power wall thing has taken off. People are really getting this, particularly in areas where there's been a lot of blackouts. And that's happening here in California, which had a terrible energy grid 20, 30 years ago when I came here. And then it was much better and stable. And now it's terrible again because of all the fires. They're having to switch off the energy all the time. So having a power wall, particularly if you're a business whether your business is at home or whether you're in an office and you really need your power, you really need your internet, you really need to, to be up all the time, you can't afford to have the power turned off for four hours a couple of times a month. That's a problem. And so it really becomes worth your while to do this. And if there's a heat wave and the grid goes out, you don't want to die of heat stress. So again, I think there's going to be more and more and more and more demand for this off-grid energy storage. And it's actually a really good thing to have this because, as many of you might know, now if you're a Powerwall owner, you can opt in to stabilize the grid. So I just did this, right? So they updated the app saying, look, when the grid's really stressed, can we suck some energy out of your Powerwall during those really stressful times between like four o'clock and nine o'clock? If uh, you've got lots of extra energy in there, can we use that? I've opted into that, and most people I know that have power walls have done that because it feels like it's the right thing to do. Helping stabilize the grid in that manner would be really useful. Now, as you get more and more and more power walls, this becomes more and more and more powerful. People have also talked about this in those sort of vehicle-to-grid or vehicle-to-home systems where your car could also be that thing where you could say, yeah, you can take, say, 25% of my energy when you need it and send it back to the grid during these stages where there's high stress. So this is the future. This is good. This means we need even more batteries and more stress. So I'm really concerned about that concept that do we have enough lithium? Do we have enough nickel? Are the mines cranking up? Are they doing it in a sustainable way? Tesla is trying to buy their own mines and do their own thing. But I'm worried that a few years from now, when the gigafactories are really cranking, the rate limiting step is going to be getting them materials. And also recycling. We've talked about that in the past. Recycling is key. 
And sadly, yet again, it looks like Cybertruck has been delayed until 2022. I think for a confluence of reasons, uh, batteries, gigafactories, you're not going to see that puppy until next year. And again, it feels like a bad, sad thing. But when we look at this in a year or two from now, when there's lots of Cybertrucks out there being created, shifting of this, you know, a couple of quarters won't be that big a deal. Now, the other last thing I'd like to talk about here is an interesting thing. Somebody asked, you know, Elon, is full self-driving, is it worthwhile? Is a, buying a subscription worthwhile? And he basically said no. Did you hear that? He basically said, well, it will be. It will be in the future. And I'm sure everybody will get it and want to keep it. But right now, full self-driving is for the geeks. It's for people who uh, you know, want to move this forward, who want to help out, who want to play with the stuff. But for you know, average Joe who wants to uh, get a full self-driving car because they've got a long commute or because um, they've got some vision issues, whatever it is, whatever great reason full self-driving would be, now is not the time to get that subscription because it is not full self-driving. It is full by your self-driving. You have to be vigilant. You have to be you know, driving the car along with the car. And so for the average person, it is not worth getting this subscription. So I do not expect in the next earning calls that there's billions of dollars that have gone into the subscription for full self-driving. I just don't see it happening until they've really got pretty robust level four full self-driving. So I thought that was quite honest of him. And I think it's a good summary of the state of where it is. It's cool. It's fun. It's interesting. Thank you to the geeks that are out there playing with it and moving along. But uh, average Joe and Joette, uh, they're not going to be using this anytime soon. When? When will we see it? I have no idea. Other experts in the field say it's still at least five years away. Elon keeps saying it's the end of the year. But what year? As they put rings on Elon. It must be some sort of geometrical algorithm. I don't think you need to touch the steering wheel there, Tom. Oh, I'm sure there's some math. So SpaceX, <laughs> here's the deal. Um, landing a rocket... On a drone ship is key. Charger, 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 <laughs> charger. How am I expected to drive a car without autopilot? Safety. Charger, charger, charger. <laughs> you know, I'm not a good parker, Tom. Yeah. I'll be the first to admit it. Yeah. I just think that this is a car company that is run by super geeks. All the other cars are going to be stupid cars compared to this car. You don't even have to I remember slide. that. You've got a Model X. I have seen the future, and it is light pole charging. No, I wouldn't call it a screw-up. Do you like your Model X? God, it's beautiful. <laughs>